This is Yoni Feldman. Shalom. We're beginning Mishlei Perek Chafet. We're going to divide this Perek into two parts, 22a and 22b. 22a is going to be from verse 1 until verse 16. And 22.17 till the end of the Perek starts a whole new unit. And tomorrow we're going to introduce the whole new subsection of Mishlei that's going to go on to the end of chapter 24. That's going to take up 22 bits. So now let's begin. Nivchar shem me'osher rav, mikesef u'mizahav chen tov. A good reputation is worth all the money in the world, and a nice person is worth more than gold and silver. Decency is more important than wealth. The next Pasuk brings that home still more. Ashir Barash Nifgashu Osei Kulam Hashem. All men are created equal. We didn't need Thomas Jefferson to come up with that statement. It's right here. All human beings are created with Salam Elohim. And when the Ashir and the Rush meet each other, they both have this fundamental creation of Hashem, of both of them. They're meeting as two creations of Hashem, and they should both be aware of that. People should always be aware that other people are exactly the same as they are in terms of their fundamental human integrity. Arum ra'a Ra'ah v'nesar u'petayim avru v'nan nashu. A smart person, when they see something bad, that really means something dangerous, like a live wire, or some other situation that can cause serious harm, will try to get out of such a situation. And the fool crosses the line and ends up getting punished in the sense of the person sees a stop sign, they basically decide, oh, who cares, I'll run the stop sign. And they get into a crash with another car, and they get fined, or they get their license taken away, or whatever. You know, Ekev Anava Yirat Hashem Osher V'chavod V'chayim. Notice the concentration of words about Osher in the first seven verbs of this Perek the densest concentration of words on that subject in the whole Sefer. Out of seven psukim, four of them are referring to it. But the basic fundamental feeling about it here, about wealth, is that it's definitely not the ultimate value in life. The ultimate value in life is to be a decent human being with integrity with humility, with fear of Hashem. And if you bring that to the table, Hashem will reward you with Osher and Kavod and Chayim. Sinim pachim b'derech ikesh, shomer nafsho yirchak mehem, is pretty much the same idea as verse 3. If you stay, if you look where you're going, you're not going to fall in a trap. You're not going to trip. You're not going to hurt yourself. You're not going to basically, you know, get yourself into trouble. 
Finally, the most important and, and most famous pasuk in in, uh, in this entire parak, Chanoch Lanar Alpi Darko Kam Gam Kiyazkin Lo Yosur Mimenu. I think this pasuk is deliberately ambiguous in a way because there's no way to be certain what Alpi Darko means, but I would. Venture that it probably means the derech that the Sefer has been preaching all along, which is the derech of Chachma, the derech of Dat, the derech of Anava, the derech of Yirat Hashem. The Sefer is saying that if you put a young person on the right path early on, they'll stay on it even after they get much, much older. They'll stay with it for the rest of their lives. Ashir brashim imshol ve'evet loveh ve'ish malveh. This is simply an observation of the realities of life. Even though they're created equal, in reality, in ordinary life, the rich person rules over the poor, and the borrower is a servant or slave of the lender. The problem in life is to make sure that that reality is not exploited by the rich. To get the poor to become, you know, less than their fundamental human image. And Mishle has been making that point all along. Zorea avla yiksor aven v'shevet evratau. Whoever sows injustice, reaps calamity. And the rod that they wield in their fury will be broken. The implication is that it will be broken either by Hashem or it will be broken by the king who dispenses righteous justice. Blessing in the Tanakh means health, wealth, prosperity, long life, children. And that's basically the reward of a person who doesn't hoard their wealth. A Tolvayan is a person who's generous with their wealth and is prepared to give up whatever they own to other people who are more needy than they are. If you're prepared to give from your own food to a poor person, Hashem will reward you and bless you for the fact that you basically are prepared. Was people who hoard their wealth end up worse off and better off. Garesh waits v'yetzei madon v'yishpot din v'chalon. Throw out the scoffer and there's no more quarrel. And the rib, the insults, everything comes to an end and there's no more dishonor. The way to get rid of quarrels is to, get, is to, is to throw out quarrels from people. Ohev toharlev svatav rehu melech. I think this is a mashal about a person in Tanakh called Kushai Ha'arki, who was the person who saved Zavah HaMelech at the time that Absalom revolted against him. Hushai was called Re'eh HaMelech, and he proved his friendship by risking his life to go undercover as a spy for King David and present himself to Absalom as 
with Chaim and his father, making it sound like he was praising Absalom, saying Absalom was the greatest, and Absalom bought it, and Absalom basically took his advice, which was not the best advice for him, and rejected Achitophel's advice, which would have been the best advice for him, because the King David was his faithful friend. Once upon a time, Yehonatan was David's faithful friend. Later, it's Hushai Ha'arki who goes to bat for him and saves his life. And Hashem responded to David's prayer, Sakel na et atzat achitopo Hashem. Hashem saw to it that Absalom said, Tov atzat chushai me atzat achitopo ba'pam hazot. And Hashem not through that. Now, let's keep in mind, and Hashem does not mean in Tanakh the eyes of Hashem, it means the attention of Hashem. And Hashem el tzadikim, shmoa el shabbatam. Eretz Yisrael is called Eretz Hashem, Hashem, the racial totamid. Tamid, ene Hashem va, mereshit shana, arachrit shana. Ene Hashem, his attention is to people who act with wisdom. I'm putting in, this is an ellipsis, it means a word is missing. It's ene Hashem, not through ansheidat, visalev de revogel. And a bogate, you don't need the prefix ansheitu. It means a person who, who acts as a traitor, treacherous. That type of person is going to end up defeated, frustrated, twisted, out of business. Of course, you can't go through a paragraph and not somewhere get a zap at the atzel. Hamar atzel ari vachutz betoch rechovot eratzach. Now we have to understand chutz in the Tanakh does not necessarily mean outside. It also means in the public squares, in the markets, Vashvakim, Baruch Avot, the Chutzot Ha'ir. Chutzot Yerushalayim are not the outside of Yerushalayim, it means the public areas of Yerushalayim. And the Yashiel doesn't even want to go to work in an urban setting. Forget about hard work like farming. They don't even want to go into a market to do some work because why? There's a lion in the market. I'll be murdered. But lions don't murder people because the word ratzach is not the right word to use. We have been taught that the word ratzach means a human being murders another human being. That is incorrect because here this proof, this pasuk makes it clear that the word is better used to mean manslaughter. Most of the time in the, in the Torah, the word ratzach refers to a rotzach, the shogay, who's still called a rotzach. In other words, the point that the Ari Mikla are making is that anyone who causes the end of a human life, whether it's done deliberately, by accident, by negligence, whatever, is considered a rotzach. They may not get the death penalty, they may just get exile, but they're still, the word is still going to be applied to them. The, the distinction between murder and manslaughter in the Tanakh is not so much the issue of, it, it's more an issue of punishment than an issue of guilt. Anyone who has taken a human life in any other reason other than self-defense has a certain amount of guilt on their hands. Shucha amuka pi zarot. Zu'um Hashem ipo sham. 
From the beginning of this book till now, we have had constant attempts to educate the Nar in the right direction. The next Nar. Whole chapters in the first third of Mishle were devoted to how young people are seduced to go in the wrong direction off the derech. The, the, the words that seduce them lead them into a deep pit, which the person who falls into is accursed of Hashem. The word za'am really means cursed. Ma'ekov lo za'am Hashem. But the point being here, people don't get seduced unless they want to be seduced. They don't get seduced unless basically they listen to the voice that seduces them. Nobody forces them to get seduced. And the next passage gets across the point. There's something about adolescence that makes people into fools. It's sort of tied up with the, with the word. Interestingly enough, the word nar in the Tanakh gets across the point clearly that the word adolescent in English does not get across. Meaning, na'ar means from er Hashem at paro betochayam. With hit na'er, it means all shook up. That's what adolescents are. They're all shook up. And Mishle's advice to parents is when adolescents look like they're going off the derech, don't hesitate to use the whip. Now today, we don't think about the whip. But what we do have to think about is serious discipline. You know, in America, we've got a situation that basically young people are get the impression they can do whatever they place. Discipline is something that is more like a slap on the hand than anything serious. If you want to discipline your teenager, you better make certain that the teenager understands that you're really serious about what you're saying. You can't make it sound the way, let's say, Ailey did with Chafni and Pinchas. Ailey finds out that Chafni and Pinchas are up to really no good. So what does he do? He calls them in for a talk. And he says, And that's the end of the enterprise. And of course, they just go back to doing the same thing they were doing before. And eventually, Ailey's house falls. He dies, you know. His children die in battle, you know. His grandchild dies in birth, you know, or his grandmother, his mother dies in birth. And as a practical matter, why does all this happen? Because Ailey refused to really discipline his children. He's not the only one. Sefer Shmuel is about rotten fathers who refuse to discipline their children. First, you have Ailey, who ends up with Shmuel as his adopted son because his real sons came to no good. You'd think Shmuel would have learned from that, but no, his two sons are so corrupt, but that's why the Jewish people asked him for a melech. His sons are taking bribes. His sons are basically, you know, to the point that basically his house disappears as well. And of course, the best example of all is David HaMelech, whom I already pointed out to you when the Midrash Tanchuma in the beginning of Sefer Shemot points out clearly that he's the epitome of a parent who ends up with disaster because he refuses to discipline his children. First, Amnon, 
Amnon rapes Tamar, David does nothing. Absalom murders Amnon, he gets a slap on the wrist. Then, of course, Absalom rebels against David, and then David writes a psalm to Hashem. Hashem, my rabutzarai, rabim kamim alai, rabim omrim wanafshi, en yeshuat belohim selah. And Chazal said, you know, if you would have disciplined your children, you wouldn't have had to write that more in the first place. This is coming to you because you failed to discipline them. And then, of course, you think you learned from that? No. Adonio, the next one at the beginning of Molochim. Below Atzavo Aviv, Miyamav Lemar, Madua Kacha Asita. David is simply incorrigible. It's impossible for him to basically say no to his children and look at the consequences that come from that. It ends up he only has one child by him at his deathbed, whereas Yaakov, and by the way, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov are the epitome of parents who discipline their children and end up with the appropriate results. You know, this is exactly the reason why there are role models in how to raise children, okay? Because they were prepared to discipline their children, and basically they brought together generations and generations and generations that were finally were Uwe to Geula. O Sheikh Dala Harbolo Notainla Ashir Achlamachsar. A person who oppresses the poor to increase their wealth and one who gives gifts to the rich, both these types of people end up in poverty. Mishlei tries to get a point that what you think is going to increase your wealth is sometimes not exactly the thing that really does accomplish that. Because Hashem is watching over everything you do, and as a practical matter, when Hashem decides that basically what you're doing is wrong, you know, the, the wheel turns and you're going to end up at Machsor. Now, the word machsor in the Tanakh does not just mean want in a sense of, I mean, you don't have this, you don't have that. The word machsor in Tanakh is a value judgment. Yeruah Hashem Kedoshav Ki'ein Machsor Lirayat. Look at Birchat HaMazon. Tamid lo chasar lanu ve'al yechsar lanu wazon li'alam ve'ed. V'rachamim v'chayim v'shalom v'chol tov u'mikol tov e'alam al yechasreinu. What's the famous Mizmor in Tehillim? David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Meaning, Hashem ro'i lo echsar. Who ends up chaser and who ends up with bracha is the decision of Hashem. And if a person wants Hashem's favor, then you've got to act in a way that basically will attract Hashem's favor. And they, Hashem, are all over the place. It's up to you to decide if you want Hashem's attention. If you do the wrong thing, you're going to get attention for doing the wrong thing. The whole point of Sefer Mishle is to get people to do the right thing. With this, we're ending 22A, and tomorrow we're going to start subsection 22B, which is going to treat the whole subsection starting with 2217 till the end of 24, be an introduction to it, and discuss the themes and the different languages used in this section, and influences and so on, and then we'll actually complete the parak verse by verse, and that's going to finish 22b. So shalom, Mr. Yehudi Feldman, see you tomorrow.